Hey guys, if you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talko Supremo. Hey y'all, welcome back. You just can't get enough of old Pee Wee Gaskins, can ya? I get it. He's an interesting fella. Or should I say, was interesting. Because now he's gone. Electrocuted in South Carolina's old Sparky. In fact, one witness recalled Pee-wee having to climb up in the chair like a small child would. Anyways, I ain't trying to spoil it for you. Just want to prepare you a little bit. So y'all buckle up now you're here because this is the final chapter of American South's most prolific and gruesome serial killer, Donald Pee-wee Gaskins. Hey guys, we're back recording, and I just want to, before we start this episode, to give a huge shout out to all of our listeners, but a special shout out to our listeners in Iowa, Megan, Nicole, Laura. When you guys gave us that call the other night, that was the highlight of my month. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And you got me out of bed. That's I was sleeping. Yes, I was sleeping in bed, and you got me out of bed to take a shot. But it literally, <laughs> it literally was the highlight of my month. It made me feel so special and so loved. Yeah. And thank you so much. We love to hear from our listeners. So if you guys want to give us a call, the Google phone number is on talkmurder.com. And we love to get back to you, too. So Yeah, so thank you. It was really nice. I actually really enjoyed talking to you. Also, big news, guys. Big news here. We just released out Bianca Devin's episode. Mm. It's an episode just for you, Talkos Primos and Small Talkos. So be sure to go to the forum and uh, listen to that episode. It goes to the entire case from what we know so far. That has been a very popular case. Mm. Just happened. Yeah, just happened. We've we've been getting thousands of views a day, and I'm not joking. Thousands of views on that blog. Everyone wants to see the pictures, and I do have the pictures up there. I have all the pictures that were taken taken from there and i have them up there for you guys so but warning they are graphic so if you don't have a strong stomach don't look all right this email is from our new taco supremo sarah hey sarah Sarah. hey ladies and gent exclamation mark i just want to start by saying that i absolutely love the show oh thank you sarah i am a new listener my cousin Chuck turned me on to your podcast oh, when he was a guest on the show a few weeks ago. Since then, I have been hooked. Yes. I went back to the beginning, and I am now on episode 25. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. Chuck said he has become friends with you all and asked me to help support you out. And so I went to the website and made a donation. That's awesome. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for the referral, Chuck. We love yeah, when thanks, our Chuck. listeners tell their friends about us. It means a lot. Because word of mouth is so important, and it just it really means a lot to us. So thank you. We're glad that you guys keep listening. Yeah. All right. Tonight we are doing Pee-wee Episode 2, Pee-wee's Big Murdering Adventure Tour. Pee-wee playing with his pee-pee. And if you haven't listened to the first one, then you are wrong. And you need to go back and listen to the part one. Why are they wrong? Because they're doing it wrong. <laughs> oh. oh. So tonight we have 
a very special interview that I conducted with the attorney of Pee Wee Gaskins, Jack Swirling. Oh, sweet. And Whoa. he was Pee Wee's attorney during the final trial. Now, he's a South Carolina attorney, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about he's this guy. He's a big wig. He is a, well, he's a big wig, and he's a big guy. This guy's over six feet. He's very intimidating. So I was pretty nervous talking to this guy and interviewing him. But I think it went well. So we're going to play those clips for you tonight. Sweet. And uh, so Pee Wee Gaskins was ultimately executed. Now, this is what he says about Jack Swirling, the the lawyer that I interviewed recently. My lawyer, Jack Swirling, tried to defend me the best he could. But it was obviouser than hell that the court and everyone else was determined to get Pee Wee Gaskins. So we're going to mm-hmm. be playing the interviews from him. Wow. And I'm also, I also found the audio interview from Pee Wee Gaskins. I got about 15 minutes of Pee Wee Gaskins talking. It took me forever to find it. And I'm putting that on the forum for Small Tacos and Tacos cool. Primos. That's awesome. We're also reading from The Final Truth, the autobiography of Pee Wee Gaskins. He wrote this autobiography on death row at CCI here in Columbia, which is now torn down. The book wasn't released till after his execution, and then it quickly took off, and then it quickly got taken off the shelf because it was just too too gruesome. It's just too horrific. The accounts are just too awful about what he talks about in there. And, of course, I have it for Talkos Primos and talk, Small Talkos. So go to the forum and you can download it. So let me recap. For you guys, last episode. All right, so last episode we talked about the Pecker Order, which was the trading of male booty hole order in the prison systems. We also talked about coastal kills, Mm -hmm. and I didn't tell you what his other murder type was, and we're going to get to that tonight. We talked about how Pee Wee becomes a power man. (laughs) We talked about how he murdered his own niece, Janice Kirby, a 15-year-old. Oh, yeah, that one was rough. Because she was underage drinking. And I'm going to get into the morals of Pee Wee Gaskins t- tonight. Mm-hmm, hmm He had some. We some t- very strange ones. We talked about Pee Wee's job of burning barns filled with tobacco. Oh, yeah. And then he would sell the tobacco, and then he'd get insurance money from the government. We talked about how he made his bones, which means killing somebody for the first time. We also talked about how the Genovese family, the three wise men, as he called them, gave him a job offer to come to New York and work with the crime family. And they taught him a very important lesson, which I've recently got tattooed on me. Killers don't get caught if bodies don't get found. So remember that, guys. Um, One day I think you really are going to end up with a tattoo of something from a drunken night. You're going to be like, yeah, I am going to get this tattooed on me. And it'll be after one of our Then we'll spend a very long time trying to get it laser removed. So on the last episode, we actually stopped when Pee Wee Gaskins said, I don't always kill women now. There was just one time. Now, that was an accident this time he's talking about. But during his one of his coastal kills, there were two boys that he thought were girls at the time walking along savannah highway and this is what just a recap if you want to read this it was march and cold as balls on that brass monkey or tits on the that witch 
Okay, sorry. Recap. <clears throat> me, 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 it, me. <laughs> it was March and cold as the balls on that brass monkey or the tits on that witch, and there weren't hardly nobody out hitching. I figured I was in for a drive to Florida. Then I saw two of them, north of Savannah, hitching south. They was the kind that had packs on their backs and walked around the highway and half-assed them without turning around like they didn't expect anybody would stop. It didn't really give a shit whether anybody did or not. They both had long, straight hair, and I would have sworn they was girls. Of course, I didn't see their asses because of they, their packs. It weren't until I stopped until I got out. To open the Mustang's trunk and I seen they were was boys. They was lean, skinny, in fact, and they were trying to sprout flimsy blonde beards. They was 14, they said, when they were in the car and we headed south. They had met on the road, both runaways, so they had something in common right off. And they was going to Florida because it was warm there. Neither one had any idea how they was going to live when they got there. They was just damn determined they weren't ever going back home. I said I sure understood what they were saying. I had done my share of running away when I was their age, but I warned them that they needed to be careful because Florida law was real tough on runaways. Besides, I added, they shouldn't ever trust cops. That was how I got sent to reformatory school, trusting cops. We talked a long while until I, I saw a side road and turned down it. I had to stop, I said, because I had been getting having the trots and I needed to take a quick shit that couldn't wait. <laughs> It's probably evening time, nighttime. He kind of pulls up, and he stops or hitchhiking. Now, these guys aren't from South Carolina, obviously, because ain't nobody from South Carolina looks like a girl, you know, from the back with nice butts and everything. They couldn't see the butts. So he pulls up there, and he offers them a ride. Now, they said there was about 14. The thing about Pee Wee Gaskins is he, he wasn't an ugly guy. He was kind of a charmer. Is small little charmer. If you guys remember in the last episode, I talked about how Pee Wee Gaskins went from using the Arizona toothpick and intimidating someone to immediately pulling out the Beretta because it's quicker and he can control the situation more. That was that became part of his MO. So that's what he did here. He's got two boys, probably taller than him, even though they're only fourteen. They get in his car. Yeah, that's right. He, you don't. It doesn't take much to be taller than Pee Wee. And as soon as they get in the car, he pulls out the Beretta. Here's what happened after that. So I stopped there when they picked him up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have been wondering what the hell happened to these boys. Did they, did they survive? Did they just do a little servicing of Pee Wee and then get let off or what? Well, I mean, it's interesting because he's certainly had many man-to-man experiences in his lifetime. Their asses were tight to fuck. But it was this haste that I couldn't leave alone. I kept wanting oh, more. Oh, no. That's so gross. Oh, I would pick this one to read. They done their best, sucking and fucking and oh. rimming and doing everything I said. I guess they figured that when I had come enough, I'd let them go. After a while, there wasn't nothing much left to pump out of me, oh, so I dear. got a different idea. I had read about mountain oysters oh, being a favorite from no. the Old West from animals, not boys. And that's where my different idea was special. I gagged them, slid open their nut sacks, and watched their pain when I took out what I wanted and turned them up the fire on the stove. Then I sliced off an inch, and e oh. inch of each of them, and they bled more than I figured. They hadn't bled that much when I opened them. Oh, Jesus. Oh, dear. <laughs> I melted some plum bum real quick and used it to staunch the blood flow. They passed out and didn't come to until after I was finished. Then I bound their elbows behind their backs, tied their ankles and knees, 
wrapped them in the chains of pig iron weights and took them each into the marsh and watched them sink. So he cut open them nut sacks and had some old oysters. What is contained? So is it like a little? Is it like a little ball of muscle almost? I don't know. It's weird though, because if you are if you just hold them in your hand and just stare at them and don't move, <laughs> they independently move. Like your balls will li- you literally move up and down independently of you doing anything. It's so weird. They're like little living things. Little jumping beans. It's weird, like, they'll, they'll jump over each other, like, because you have two, well, unless you're, like, Lance Armstrong, and you got one, or you're, like, some of my friends that had three, which is a sight to see. Anyway. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. You know we were uh, making that up? I feel no, like you're I, making that up. I, I've met a few people that had three. Okay, first, how do you know this? Uh, because we had nothing else to do overseas. <laughs> I think you want to finish that sentence. Uh, but yeah, if you what do you them, mean? What did you do if overseas? You ho- if you hold your and it's not because they're in that fluidy sack. I mean that probably plays a part in it, but like they're living. The well, balls, it's a bunch of sperm. The testicles are a living thing. It's alive. It's just weird. It's not weird. You know what's weird? What? Whatever you guys have. That hole that goes somewhere. No one has figured out hello, where it goes. Hello, hello. <laughs> that, that cavern or <laughs> cave, hello, that hello. cave system, <laughs> the endless cave system. <laughs> uh, all right. So last time I also talked about how Pee Wee Gaskins escaped prison. Now he did this a couple times. He escaped the reformatory school and then he actually escaped prison. And it was not like usual people escape prison. This was very thought out. Anyway, the reason he wanted to escape prison in the first place is because his first wife, number one of six. I don't understand how he got that many women to marry him. The only one that got a divorce from him, keep in mind. So he actually died with five wives. Good she, for you, buddy. She said, she's, yeah, know, I'm I leaving you. Good, I'm, I'm sick of this, Pee Wee. You're always in and out of prison. And all these people think you're killing people. I'm sick of this. I'm getting my stuff and I'm leaving. I also can't believe he had offspring. He escapes prison because he didn't want to lose his chance with his wife. I knew my chances of escaping was as skinny as a coon dick toothpick, but I kept looking for a way and working on a plan. That was all I thought about day and night. And like everything else I ever set my mind to do, I did it. Damn, he's got quite a way with words, doesn't he? Coon yeah. dick toothpick. So what he did was actually devise a plan where he would, since he was the smallest guy in the camp, he could actually fit inside the garbage can. Okay, so what he did was he put himself in the garbage can and got picked up by the garbage truck. Now, the garbage truck had to go through all these checkpoints to get out of prison, the, the prison yard. So... He was sitting there, and this is what he says. Even though it was cool weather, I sweated like a fresh-cut boar hog while the truck made its way to all the buildings in the prison complex, picking up and putting out cans. It was near 3 p.m. when I heard the guards' voices, and I knew we were at the gate. I could see one uniform climbing to the back of the truck, but he didn't stay too long. The smell had got worse after he picked up the drums of rotten food from back of the mess hole. 
I couldn't blame the guard for not inspecting every barrel, which was something else I had counted on. The back of the truck stinks so bad that if I hadn't had such a goddamn good reason to stay, I would have got off myself. A lot of people were asking, like, how did this guy get this fucked up? How did this—what happened to him as a child? And we talked about all the cornholing and raping and stuff in the last episode. But I want to say when he was a toddler— and his mom came out with an interview and, and verified this. When he was a toddler, he got a hold of some kerosene and he drank what? a gallon of kerosene. Are you kidding me? How did he not and die? He almost died, but the doctor said he was as good as dead. And if he lived, it'd be a miracle. And he did live, but he had nerve damage. Huh. And that may have fucked with his brain and made him a serial killer. But who huh. knows? Interesting. Well, so don't drink that shit, guys. It's probably pretty bad. Well, how do you, yeah, like, how do you even stomach drinking a gallon of it? I mean, uh, don't you think like your natural bodily reaction is to throw that shit up or spit it out? I, I haven't tried. I cannot confirm. We also talked about how Pee Wee Gaskins bought a hearse, a Cadillac hearse, and this is from the book. You're wasn't that, wasn't that Ghostbusters? Yeah, they had a hearse. Yeah. I was doing shade tree work for a fella who wanted to be a stock car driver and needed help pulling an engine when another fellow we knew came by driving a Cadillac hearse. He had bought it cheap, he said, and figured to sell it for a pretty good profit, but nobody wanted the damn thing. It was like people was afraid to drive a hearse because dead bodies had been in it. Well, let me tell you, I bought that hearse on the spot right then and there for the next to nothing, less than what he paid for it. I never could get my wife to ride in it with me, but I drove that sucker everywhere. I had a sign that made that said, we haul anything, living or dead, and put it in the back window. For the first time, I drove it to Charleston. Everybody kidded me about it, and soon it became kind of running joke. Everybody said, hey, Pee-wee, why are you driving a hearse? And I said, because I kill so many people, I need a hearse to haul them to my private cemetery. Then we would all laugh. That's twisted. <laughs> oh, because it's true. It's so bad. Also, I would not ever be caught riding in a hearse alive. like Or dead. All right, guys, on the last episode, I also talked about the two types of killings, coastal kills, and his other type he refers to in his book, serious murders. Now, these are people he knows. And the reason he calls it serious murders is because he's got to really think about how to dispose of the bodies because they're connected to him. Which you would you would think that if someone doesn't want to get caught, like I know the whole if you don't want bo- if you don't want to get caught, don't. What was it? Bodies? Killers don't get caught if bodies don't get found. Okay. Well, there's only so many of that that you can do before a connect- connection is made, right? Yeah, but if you're if you're a horn dog and you get an opportunity with a family member, I mean, he killed his niece. I'm not saying. I don't know what I'm saying, but just like at some point, someone would be like, "Hmm, there's a missing or there's a common thread here." Pee wee playing with his pee pee Gaskins. I didn't really want to put this story in there because it's really bad, but this is a serious murderer. So he knew these two females, I should say, a 23-year-old named Doreen Dempsey and her two-year-old daughter. Uh, no. Skip. 
Hard pass. I had no Doreen Dempsey a long time. Her stepdaddy and all his family worked at the carnival and lived in Sumter. That's how I got to know them. Doreen was adopted and gave her folks an awful lot of grief. Now, his wife at the time, I don't know which one because he had so many, was also really good friends with Doreen. Now, here's how the story goes, and I'm not getting into detail. I'm not getting into any detail. If you want to see the whole story, you got to read the book, and you will be pissed off and grossed out if you read the story. But one night, he takes both mother and daughter around for a ride in the hearse. It was a cold night, real windy. Doreen and Johnny drank a couple beers and stayed to supper. I remember little Robin Michelle climbing on Pee Wee's WAP after she ate. We felt special good. I took a lab blanket from the couch and put it around her, and she snuggled hard against me to keep warm. He basically told Doreen, his friend, that he's got a place for her to stay because she was having problems finding a place to stay for her and her two-year-old daughter. So he promised her that he had a trailer near Ropper's Crossroads, and they could stay there rent-free. Now, he was lying the whole time. It was a trick. It was a trick. They start to drive, and then he pulls out on one of those logging roads that he's so good at driving down because he knows them all. He told Doreen to get into the back and give him a blowjob, but she didn't want to because her two-year-old daughter was watching. Now, oh. that's all I'm going to say about that. Doreen was also pregnant. Oh, He no. ends up killing both of these girls, a 23-year-old mother and her daughter, two-year-old, and throws them in the swamp. Now, if you want to see the real story, you got to read the book, and it's awful. What he does to them, you mean? What he does to not Doreen, the 23-year-old, but the 2-year-old. Oh, It's very no. graphic, and it makes me understand why they took the book off the market. Was it sexual involving the 2-year-old? Yeah. Oh, God. It was, and it's really, really bad. So, oh dear. I uh for the sake of everyone involved, I'm not going to disclose that. Will Thank it be you. available on the website if anybody wants to look at yeah, it? Yeah, the book is there. Yeah. I do recommend reading the book, guys, cuz it's it's very honest, you know, for an autobiography even though it's a little hard to read. The book is called The Final Truth because he wants to set the record straight. Let me tell you about, before we get to the interview with Jack Swirling, I need to tell you a little bit about the story about Rudolph Tyner. Jack Swirling was the attorney for Pee Wee just for the last murder he ever committed. So before this, Pee Wee actually avoided the death chair, How? The, the electric chair, I mean. Old Sparky was what they called it in South Carolina. <laughs> because... Number one, the first murders, he kept doing plea deals and saying, you know, I... To go find other bodies. Yeah, if I show you where this body is, I don't want to be put to death kind of shit. Right. All right. And then when he was actually going to be executed, he was saved by a new law that South Carolina adopted that made the death penalty unconstitutional. Now, that didn't last very long because right now... We still had the death penalty, but it was Furman versus Georgia. It was actually a Georgia case. Hmm. Defendant William Henry Furman was charged with capital murder after killing the occupant of a house he was attempting to burglarize. 
Furman maintained that the gun went off when he tripped and fell trying to flee the house. Nonetheless, he was tried for murder and sentenced to death, but he challenged his sentence, alleging that the imposition and execution of the death penalty constituted cruel and unusual punishment by the Eighth Amendment. So the Eighth Amendment basically says you can't torture anyone, citizens, you know, human beings. You can't torture them. Right. You can't, if you're a judge, you can't set an unreasonable bail so they can't get out. Stuff like that. So the Eighth Amendment. Or the punishment has to fit the crime, too. Yeah. 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 So after that case, Furman versus Georgia, the death penalty was deemed unconstitutional for South Carolina, which meant all the killings that Pee Wee has done, now he's safe, which was a big-ass problem because this is a guy who's been escaping prison all Everybody his life. Everybody wanted him dead, And too. he's been killing everyone all his life. And, in fact, if you read the book, he says in several different passages that at the time before he got executed, if he wasn't going to the chair— he was already researching different countries and different codes, country codes and country laws because he was going to leave the country. Whoa. And, and there would have been a peewee in freaking Europe. Having two life sentences added even more weight to my nickname in CCI, but I made it a special point to keep my goodest behavior. By the end of the year of 1977, I was pretty much back in the charge of things. When I say in charge, I don't mean... I thought I ran the whole CCI. I mean that I could get pretty much anything I needed. I had a system working for me, or as we said it inside, I had shit on my dick and blood on my shank, and I had power in my weapon to have all the young meat I wanted. Young shit meat. on my dick? That sounds so unpleasant. Well, that's like you well, he's, cornhole engine. Yeah. You get poopy on your wiener. Okay. Gross. Also... The name, okay. Plus the stuff they eat in prison, it doesn't, it, uh, it's all clumpy, you know? No, so no it, like, I've never been to prison, so well, I don't know. I'm saying, know. like, all they eat is a bunch of carbohydrates, so. All right, let me tell you about Rudolph Tyner, because I've got to tell you about this story before we play the Jack Swirling interview. There was an older couple named Bill and Myrtle Moon. So they ran a little store in Merle's Inlet. Y'all know where Merle's Inlet is? Yes. Up there in Myrtle Beach, South I know Carolina. it's farther away from... Charleston and Polly's Island is. They were killed in a holdup. They had this little gas station. This old couple ain't ain't doing nobody wrong their whole life. And this guy named Rudolph Tyner comes in there, and he holds the place up. I mean, gas stations. That's you know, that can happen. True, happens quite often. But this today. piece of shit, asshole, motherfucker goes back into the gas station just to kill this old couple. Oh, no. Which was fucked. All right. So he was already going to the chair. Anyway. Pee-wee's already going to the chair. No. No. Tyner's going Tyner. to the chair. got it. Sorry. Pee-wee's not going to the chair. This story I'm about to tell you right now is why Pee-wee went to the chair. So he was... This is the only reason Pee-wee got executed. So because Pee-wee was uh, in prison and was convicted and taken off of death row, he wasn't, he, you can't put somebody back on death row exactly. afterwards unless they do something else. Exactly. Got it. Okay. But he committed this murder after South Carolina was like, oh, wait, it is constitutional. We can't make up our mind down here. Anyway, Pee-wee Gaskins did a plea deal mm. to get seven life sentences 
tacked on him. But here's the thing about Pee Wee Gaskins. I feel like he this motherfucker has been escaping prison his entire life. He's been killing people. He's claimed a hundred people. If you can't kill him, then you better tie his ass down or something. Put him in solitary because yeah, he's solitary. gonna figure out how to get out. I think he could get out of solitary. This guy could escape anywhere. I mean, he's done it like four times already. Houdini. The stepson of the Moons, last name was the Moon, was Tony Simo, C-I-M-O. He was pissed off because the step, all right, he's a stepson. You go into my grandpa, you go into my adopted parents that took me in when I had nothing and showed me nothing but love, and they're not rich people. They own a little shop and stop, a little service station. They're ordinary old people, and you're going to kill them? And then the state of South Carolina has all these appeals, and literally 10 years later, he's still living yeah. And the stepson has to deal with this every fucking day. Bullshit. So he contacts someone that knows someone that knows someone that knows Pee Wee Gaskins because Pee Wee can do anything. If Pee Wee can, if Pee Wee says his mind to it, he can do it. Pee Wee becomes a power man. Initially, Ty- Rudolph Tyner. Now, sources say he was mentally retarded. He was an African-American man. He killed this older couple, and now he's in prison, but his appeals were taking forever, and the stepson is getting fed up. So he contacts Pee Wee Gaskins, and he's like, you could kill this guy. Please kill him, because I'm sick of waiting. What what was in it for Pee Wee to do this for him? I mean, he got paid. Pee Wee got paid. You know, like commissary. I know, but it's like you would think, did he not think that he would go to the chair? It was Did unconstitutional. So Pee Wee contacts this guy and he says, Give me something to knock out a horse. I mean, put him dead. Something that'd kill a damn horse. I need some kind of poison that'd kill a damn horse. Hello? I have a customer call to Tony from General McCormick. Will you have a sign? Yes, I will. Thank you. Are you Tony? Yes. Right, thank you. Tony? Yeah. General wanted me to call you. Said, Can you just start the calling you? Uh-huh. Yes, We've given that son of a bitch all of it but one dose, and all of are doing is making that son of a bitch sick. We put it in some damn book, put him to drink the other night, and he drank, and two boys drank, and all it was made all three of them sick as hell. Okay. It make them sick as hell, and that's it. The thing about the tape you just heard is it wasn't recorded by CCI, the prison he was staying in. It wasn't recorded by the police or anything. It was actually recorded by Pee Wee. Pee-wee actually says that he recorded all the conversations himself because when he got out of prison, because he was thinking about escaping, and he needed money to travel to different countries. So he was going to blackmail this guy, Tony Simo, and say, hey, if you don't send me all this money, then I'm going to turn you in. This This is from the autobiography. This is from Final Truth. But at the time, I really didn't give no thought of getting caught. 
I had other reasons. I had already sent the tapes out for most important conversations to someone outside and was planning to send out the rest of them. I figured that someday, after I escaped from CCI, I could use them tapes to blackmail Simo and to give me money for the traveling I wanted to do. And then, after Simo paid off, and after I was safe in the country I planned to go live in, I would send the tapes to the prosecutor and to the press. Not to get Simo and the others in trouble, though it would do that, I knew, but to make sure I got credit for the onlyest death row murder that has ever been done anywhere. That's from his book. So he actually recorded these damn conversations himself, and the guards actually found all these recorded tapes in his cell. And they're like, wow, this is good evidence right here. Yeah, no shit. So I actually asked Pee-wee's attorney, Jack Swirling. And so Jack represented him in this particular case. Jack represented him only in this case. Yeah, it was the last case. Yeah, it was, his, it was the case that he carried out or the allegedly carried out. I guess the jury found him guilty. So, uh, But uh, it's he was charged with killing Rudolph Tyner. So Jack Swirling was his defense attorney during this case, during the only time that he was actually going to the chair. He was a public defender, too, correct? Yeah, so he, he was a public defender. Like, he was assigned. Yeah, he was assigned. It's like a... Uh, one of those Wheel of Fortune wheels where they spin around and then they have different lawyer Damn, names. I on. can't oh, right. imagine wow. representing Pee Wee Gaskins. Like that's that's got to be just hard to to wrap your brain around mentally to like, OK, I'm going to do this now. Yeah. Like, how do you I mean, I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but I guess when my my guess would be you have to put yourself in the mindset that you're defending the law and not just the defendant. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, there's certain people who are qualified uh, by their experience to try death penalty cases. And so there was a list, uh, you know, of of lawyers who were qualified to do death penalty cases. And, you know, I guess my name just popped up on the list uh, Mm. and I was the next one. You know, I had no reason to turn it down. And I got so I got appointed to represent him. And I will point out that I got paid a whole seven hundred and fifty dollars for the whole thing. Wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, it, you know, I mean, I've been used to, I had tried a number of uh, murder cases prior to that. Um, and I had been out of law school at this time, I guess, 10 years. Uh, so I got out in 73. This trial was in 83. So, I mean, I, you know, I was up for the challenge. I found trying cases like that were, um, you know, what I was trained for and what I was meant, you know, what I believed in and making sure that, you know, put the state to its burden of proof. So, I, I mean, I had no problem defending him on it, uh, and I found it to be, to be really an interesting case to go ahead and defend. Uh, we worked hard. It took a lot of work and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours. You know, again, going into it, uh, the expectation was to try and see if we can create a reasonable doubt, and then, you know, if he was found guilty, try and save him from the death penalty. Since Jack Swirling was a public defender... For Pee Wee Gaskins, I actually asked him that. I asked him what was the public sentiment behind defending, quote, the meanest man in America, and how did that impact you and your family? And this is what he said. None of the public perception uh, was negative toward uh, me. I never felt that way. Hmm. Um, Interesting. You know, it was it was more toward him. Uh, and, you know, he was sort of 
you know, he had he had an interesting personality, and hmm. the, the people that met him, uh, you know, found him engaging, but also could be extremely mean uh, and obviously dangerous, uh, based just on the pre- the past record. So, and the public perception, I guess, in selecting a jury was that you know this guy was a killer. There was no love for him in the public, but it never transmitted uh, to me. It never, uh, never. Uh, I never felt that the public was in any way holding me again, uh, you know, responsible for any of that. That they were, they knew I was doing my job, and uh, you know, it was in the it was in the paper and on the news media, TV media, you know, for like six weeks every day, twice a day. So, uh, you know, so I, I didn't have that problem. I mean, I've had that problem with later cases uh, where you know the public perception was different than that. Uh, you know, and sometimes there's a the public sometimes transfers, you know, their feelings toward a particular defendant to the lawyer. Uh, but I haven't had that experience that much, uh, frankly. That, I like think this... most people know I'm doing my job. That's basically. Yeah. Wow. I, I also just want to go back to this, like, I thought it was interesting that I mean, we we know now that Pee Wee was known as the meanest man in America. But to hear him say that, you know, he was mean. And yeah. as, a, as a client, too, that that was kind of interesting, I thought. Well, he wasn't mean. Oh, he, all right, so he Good was man. mean, but he he could be really mean. He was really charming. I mean, the guy had six wives. He had to charm them somehow. <laughs> At first, he's a charming, he's really charming, but he's cutthroat as shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, he's, the first guy he killed, he stabbed on the toilet. I mean, you got to be Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the, the letting out a poot. Jack's rolling tall. I mean, he's like six, four. Oh, or something. yeah, quite the polar opposite. And Pee Wee is like five, nothing. So I was like, this must have been the craziest sight to see. But I asked him, I was like, how, I mean, how did that look in the courtroom? That must have been a sight to see. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a. Uh... You know what was that movie with uh, Danny DeVito and? Uh, <laughs> it was called Twins. Oh, Twins, yeah, Twins, yeah, it, Twins. Uh, basically, that. <laughs> one time he passed out at the table, and I had to pick him up. Oh my god! Pick him up. So uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty uh, comical sight for sure. You know they they're talking about remaking that with Peter Dinklage and Jason Momoa. Is Peter Dinklage the 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 guy that was on the Lord? Wait, he was. He was an elf. He's also fa- most famously no. known for his role in Game of Thrones. He's a small guy, right? The yeah. Real yes, small. he's he. What do you call him? Little, little person. Little person. Dwarf. Because you a don't. Dwarf. You don't use the M word anymore. No, you you can call them dwarfs though, because that's the disease of dwarfism. Why did they get rid of midget? The word is that because it's kind of derogatory. Like oh, okay. I think I'm not one clearly, so yeah, you're like the opposite. I, <laughs> you're like Amazon. I'm a giant. <laughs> you're from the Amazon. <laughs> People and I'll never forget. I was at the movies one time in middle school, and there was this kid, and he was like, "How's the weather up there?" And that was like a like a thing that people started to ask me. Oh, um, so you were tall from the get go. I've always been tall. Well, that's good though. Uh, I, I'm glad I'm average. I mean, I wish I was six two. Here, you can t- like just cut off my ankles. You can take the, some inches from me. That's like fine. I wish I was six two, but I'm five. 10, 5'11", so I'm like average. My sister's a little bit taller than me. I think she's around 6'1". And I got an abnormally large upper body. I've always been called Johnny Bravo. Because of your shoulders? Yeah, my my upper body is 
fucking ridiculous. <laughs> See, I've always thought that my head is too little for the rest of my body because I'm so tall and I, yeah. I'm like big boned anyway, even if I wasn't, you know, the way that I am. I'm like, I just, I don't know. I, I'm a big person. Because I have no butt. You can. I, I have an old man butt. I, have I don't no have butt. any butt. I have an old man butt. It's like it, it hurts right now sitting on the stool because it's just bone. Yeah, I have no cushion. There's nothing that I can do to help it. Like it's just disappointing in general. All the inmates don't want to fuck with Pee Wee. They're scared as shit of Pee Wee. Yeah. I mean, he became a power man a long time well, ago. And he's now known that he's killed 100 yeah. people. And Pee Wee always talks about in the book. In the book, you'll see that Pee-wee says, really, the only thing that keeps him motivated in the prison is new meat, which means new buttholes. Oh, no. You know, new boots, new booties. (coughs) (laughs) I just swallowed. (coughs) He swallows a (coughs) Pee-wee. Now, he was the building manager, and he could fix anything. So, in fact, the reason he actually got into Tyner's cell to begin with is because he claimed there was a leak in the plumbing and the leak was coming from Tyner's cell. Pee-wee has been befriending Rudolph Tyner. He's been giving him raisinets, which are the fucking bomb. I love raisinets. He's been giving him weed, hair, hair on, all kinds of drugs. Hair on. Heroin? Heroin. He's loved cigarettes. He's loved joints and such as that. And I've been keeping the son of a bitch pleased. And uh, tonight he says, uh, look here, I need something to eat, as well as the glass of water I can do. And uh, he said, no, just go ahead and give me something to get me high on. I rounded him up a couple of joints, and that was all I could get him tonight. So I'm going to give him the rest of what I got in his eggs in the morning. He's been giving him heroin, all kinds of drugs. He's been befriending him. But it was all just an act. That's sad. And he kept poisoning him. He would poison Tyner every night. For, this happened for like two weeks. Every night trying to poison the shit out of him with a lot of poison. And the guy just kept getting sick as shit. He would go to the infirmary, but he wouldn't die. Because everything we gave him just looks like it makes him sick as hell and that's it. And then it doesn't nothing. It make him sick as hell. It make him sick as hell. He'll look pale as hell for a day or two. And that's it. Give it to him. Give it to him. I got about one more dose. I'm going to give him in his eggs in the morning. <laughs> That's all that you about run me crazy. And then he would always be like, Pee Wee, I'm so sick. Help me out. And then Pee Wee's like, Well, Let's eat this. Take some more poison. Yeah, please. eat some of this. It might settle your stomach. And it was laced with more, more poison. Since Pee Wee had the ability to travel around the prison since he was a building manager and he had that responsibility, he, he would actually go to the mess hall and prepare the poisonous food himself. But that didn't work. So he finally gets in touch with Simo again. And he says, this ain't working. I need some bombs. I need some explosives. So I come up with something. Told him that I would call you if he wanted me and tell you if you'll send it. It can't be no damn making sick on it. I need, I need one electric cap and as much of a stick of damn dynamite as you can get. I'll take a damn radio and rig it into a bomb the way he plugs it up. So somehow they get these damn explosives into the building. Now, you heard him say he needs a few things. Now, like I said before, Pee Wee could have went a different route in life. If your radio transistor is messed up, he would fix it in like 10 seconds. He'd fix anything. He could definitely make a bomb. He tells Rudolph Tyner, he's like, 
you know, I've been giving you drugs and all this stuff. We, we need a better way of communicating. Slipping notes and stuff is just not really efficient. We need some kind of telephone system, you know, like when you're kids. Yeah, the little cups that you yeah. connect with the string. You ever go to the playgrounds where they have the thing? They have two of the little, yeah. um, what do you call them, speakers? Not speakers. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how about. sound yeah. like sound travels like that? I mean, it travels through a fucking string. That's crazy. It's pretty mind-blowing when you think like about it. sound, how does that even work? Sound waves travel through a string. That it's a sense. wave, man. Yeah, but why, how does it go through a string? Anyway. I don't know. You're the one that's supposed to know this stuff. So he says, all right, we need a better communication system. So I'm going to build us a little telephone system like they use in middle school. Mm-hmm. He gets a cup from the mess hall and puts that blasting cap in it. Now, I'm not a bomb maker, so I can't really explain it. But I know he puts the blasting cap in the cup. He gives it to Tyner, and he runs the string along, and he has some sort of electrical node or some whatever. And the idea was, so what happens is Pee Wee Gaskins sets this whole thing up, and he says, all right, Rudolph, let's test out this new communication system. So when I say, hey, this is Pee Wee, can you hear me? Over. You need to put it up to your ear so you can hear me say that. So mm-hmm. he did that. And as soon as he did that, Pee Wee plugs in the other part, the connection, and it blows Tyner completely up. Oof. It is pretty amazing that he was able to do that. I mean, obviously the crime is horrific, but kind of crazy. Now in, it kind of makes me look way. kind of makes me look back and think about how I kind of always wanted to do the telephone cup thing, but mm. we lived on a busy streets, so there weren't what like there, I didn't live in like a neighborhood with a lot of kids, so there was no one to do the little telephone string thing with. <laughs> so now I'm kind of grateful. Yeah, I'd put a whole different perspective on it. Yeah. All right, this is what he says. That afternoon, I took the rolled-up wire out of my toolkit and told him I had come up with an idea. We could push this wire into the duct, and I would get the other end when I got back to my cell. And then I would rig up a kind of homemade telephone for us, one like the kind boys used to make with tin cans and string, except we could use plastic cups from the mess hall. And I would make a little... Oh, my God. You know what this reminds me of? What? That, that show Jailbirds on Netflix. I had never seen where it. They oh, do, yeah. Where they talk through the toilet. is so weird. Yes. What? They talk through the toilet? Yeah. So, basically, this jail on Jailbirds, I don't know where it's at, but the, the prison is... Uh, like a skyscraper. It's all the cells are on top of each other. That's weird. Yeah, so it's like a big building, a prison. It's like in the middle of the city. It's crazy. But anyway, the all the toilets run down to each other. So they an inmate on the tenth floor can talk to and it's mostly And they can like send notes through it. Yeah, mostly Yeah, it's crazy. You guys gotta watch that. They'll send notes. The through. only time you'll see my face anywhere near a toilet or talking into a toilet is after I've had too much to drink. That's the only time. But I'm sorry. The, the these things happen. Oh, these never drink like, that much again. I've been friends with my toilet too many times and I'm not trying to do it any more than I have to. These inmates will meet like a male inmate will meet a female inmate and they'll form a relationship based off the toilet. Chatting over the toilet. So they, they basically, I don't know how life. they do it. They they take a cup and they take all the water out of their toilet. And then they flush it or something. And then they, there's no water that comes back up. And they talk through it and someone answers. 
from the other side, and then they can send notes to each other. It's really weird. Like they'll they do this thing called fishing, where they send this note attached to a string down the toilet, and it wraps around the other one because you know toilets. Uh, spin around like the water spin around. Almost got it, (laughs) and it fucking works. And they pull out notes from like ten floors down. It's it's really ingenious. But anyway, break on through to the other side. They're actually talking through the shitter. Oh my god, no! So they get acne and all kinds of shit because it's like you know talking through the pooper. I just kind of get weirded out about restrooms. In general, like, I will judge a place based on the fact of whether or not they have toilet seat covers. Like, if they have a toilet seat cover, it's good in my book. If not, I'm like, "Mm, you really should have a toilet seat cover because I don't want to. Those things don't even work. You don't think. Don't tell me. I don't want to. I don't want. little ass piece of fucking fabric. It gives me peace of mind, okay? Oh, my God. That. And if there's no toilet seat cover. up through that in a second. I don't care. And in fact, it's even worse because now they're. They got something to brace onto. So now you're getting all the germs and there, everything. It's a barrier between me and any of the but crabs. But it's not a barrier because... It is. It's uh, Crabs can't climb through paper. All right, anyway. Um, Here's so a conversation well, I, I gotta, never thought I'd have. I was like life. halfway through this sentence. I got to finish it. Okay. Um, except that we would use plastic cups in a mess hall, and I would make a little speaker to go in the bottom of them. So the sound would be real clear. And from then on, we could talk to each other all we wanted. I told him that when he got the cup, I wanted him to take the two wires that run from a cell to mine and hook them up to the two screws on the bottom of the cup. See, he's smart, man. He could build anything. And then wait. And at exactly the test time, he was to pick up the cup and speak real clear and say, this is Tyner over to you. Then he was to put the cup up to his ear and listen for my answer. He said he understood, and we checked my watch and his to make sure that we was together. Then I left. When the time came, I put my ear to the air duct, and I heard him, faint but clear, say, This is Tyner. Over. I waited just long enough for him to lift the cup to his ear. Then I plugged the other end of the wire into the electrical outlet of my cell. The explosion rocked the whole block. Now, at my trial, I got to see pictures of Tyner's body in his cell, and there were bits and pieces of him stuck all over the walls and ceiling and floor. Did it blow into his own cell, too, or? No, it didn't blow into his own cell, but I actually saw the cell when I was a kid. I mean, this was, I must have been five or six when I went to see the actual cell. Because in South Carolina, we ain't got nothing else to do. You go, this is like a field trip for you, or? Yeah, it was. My mom took me on a Sunday afternoon. She we told would... me the other day, she's like, you don't remember that when I took you to see old Pee cell? And I'm like, Mom, no, I don't. But actually, I do remember being at CCI because I, I'll never forget. I don't know. It was such a weird memory, but I remember the black guard or whatever. The She was a female explained CCI. I, the only memory I have is her saying, this is CCI. I don't know why I remember that. Mm. It's, you know, one of those weird things. Oh, see, I mean, our field trips in Massachusetts, we would go to like Battleship Cove in Fall River, which is an old naval ship used in World War II. And it's supposedly haunted. You can like camp on it and stuff. But I reminded Mr. Swirling that Pee Wee Gaskins actually killed his own niece, 15 year old. So his sister's daughter. And before that, he gave them a lecture on why they shouldn't be underage drinking. 
Right, yet he killed he them because they sexually were assaulted both of them. He raped both. He he raped his niece after he lectured her on why you shouldn't be underage drinking, and then he murdered her. So I was like, all right, please tell me about Pee Wee Gaskin's moral code in your own words. Mm. And this is what he said. He had his own code, uh, which was probably way outside the normal code of of society, uh, which it was. Uh, but, you know, he um, he was convicted of a number of murders, many, actually, I don't, I don't know the exact, 10 or 12, I'm not, I can't remember. But, you know, but as, as far as that goes, uh, when he was in prison, I mean, he was, uh, he would report people who had marijuana or any kind of contraband. Uh, and, he you know, he just uh, did not believe that they should get away with that. It's kind of, uh, now, whether he was getting something out of that, uh, because, you know, they made him the building manager down there. So, he, you know, he might have been doing that in return for getting consideration on his part, too. But whatever it was, he was uh, reporting people for uh, uh, contraband offenses, basically. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, but, you know, killing people, that's, that's not a big deal, right? In his book, he said he never smoked weed. So he would actually report other inmates— for bringing weed into the prison. But yet he has murdered probably 100 people, including a two-year-old and his own fucking niece. But yet he doesn't want people bringing weed into the building. That was his code of ethics and uh, morality. Uh, you know, he, uh, he could uh, go ahead and kill somebody, but uh, go ahead and report somebody for a minor offense. Wow. That's really interesting how his mind is working that way, but... So the phone calls that you guys heard that were recorded by Pee Wee and used against him, mm-hmm. that actually put him to death. Yeah. And the state was real happy with it. Like I'm I sure. was trying to say earlier, you don't want this guy not to be executed. I, I know people don't believe in the death penalty, but when you have a guy escaping from prison and then killing two-year-olds and everything else, if you don't kill this guy, he will escape and he will kill another two-year-old. So, like, whether you believe in the death penalty or not, South Carolina wanted to kill this guy. Because if he they didn't, he would have been out. He would have figured a way out, and he would have killed a lot more people. I asked Jack Swirling, everyone in South Carolina knows Pee Wee Gaskins. In fact, when he got executed, there was a whole—I mean, it was a big circus event. Mm-hmm, I bet. We all showed up drinking beer— and being like, yeah, fry that motherfucker. Let's get on my own. Let's fry him now. It's about to A rowdy crowd of about 400 people in favor of the death penalty came to the Broad River Correctional Institution to cheer Pee Wee Gaskin's death. But some had personal reasons to come, like family members of some of Gaskin's murder victims. Dennis Bellamy, Johnny Knights, and Diane Neely were our sister and brothers. And they did killed a long time ago. So, they like got the said, death penalty then, but now they do, and that's why we come. They should have turned you on the street and let them have they street they tonight, ain't going to bring them back. Everyone knows about Pee Wee's past. Is it possible for the prosecutors to bring the past of Pee Wee in front of the jurors? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, because that would if it was just that one case. Yeah. yeah, he was just tried for the Rudolph Tyner case. Right. And, I, and so I asked him, I was like, I mean, because obviously you guys did not want the past convictions 
in the past sentencings to be brought up with a new case. Right. That makes sense. But the judge actually allowed it because as what Mr. Swirling says, it provides a character. It, It shows who this guy is. Basically, in a, in a death penalty case, uh, there's two stages to a uh, death penalty trial. One is the guilt or innocence phase, and that was focused on uh, Rudolf Tyner's case. Uh, but one, if somebody's found guilty in a death penalty case, the second stage of the trial is uh, aggravation and mitigation. And the state is obviously asking for the death sentence, and the, the defense is trying to go ahead and get a life sentence. And so the state is allowed to bring in uh, past evidence of crimes uh, to show circumstances of aggravation uh, and and future dangerousness. So, um, you know, and, and of course, the defense is trying to put in mitigating evidence as to why the death penalty should not be imposed. You know. So that's why it's allowed. Now, one one thing I didn't know in South Carolina, for sure, I don't know about any other state, is when someone is put on death row and sentenced to death, their case automatically goes to the appeal process. It's an automatic thing. You see what I'm saying? They all, everyone put on death row gets an automatic appeal. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's just one of the nuances of the law, you know, it's kind of interesting. I like that. So I asked him, I was like, how difficult was it to pick a jury when everyone in South Carolina knows who this is? I mean, it must have been a real hassle. True. I mean, how are you going to get unbiased jurors? And this is what he said. Well, it was. It took several weeks to pick a jury because everybody, I mean, I'd say, you know, nine out of ten people knew who Pee Wee Gaskins was. Nine out of ten people knew that he had previously been sentenced to death for other murders. Uh... You know, so the question was, you know, knowing that, uh, could they be fair and impartial? Um, And, you know, a lot of people want to say, yes, I can be fair and impartial because they don't want to admit that they're, you know, they would be biased. Uh, But but you had a lot of people who, because of not their knowledge of the prior cases, said they couldn't be fair. So we went through uh, a couple hundred jurors before we were able to seat the uh, 12 that would decide the case. Um, And then you had some people who, you know, knowing the case, they said they could be fair about guilt or innocence. But if he was found guilty, they would put him to death. So it was it was very difficult getting a jury. Yeah. So with all these tapes that came out that Pee Wee and Pee Wee actually sentenced himself to death with making these damn tapes, he was going to blackmail Simo. But then it just ended up coming back on him when the guards found it. So I asked Jack Swirling, how hard was it to defend a guy when obviously he had everything to do with the murder? Because Pee Wee was claiming that he wasn't the only one in the murder. And a lot of people, there was like six other people that got convicted of this, including Mm. Simo. Interesting. Simo actually. Oh, I was going to ask that. Yes, he did get some jail time. This is from the book, yeah. So Tony Simo got 25 years and was eligible for parole after serving 30 months because the press said, and, oh, throw in, I agree because of what happened, you know, the guy literally killed his old uh, adopted parents, you know. The press said everybody sympathized with him for wanting justice after his parents were killed by Tyner, and the judge said he felt like justice in this case demanded only a light sentence. I think that's fair. I would definitely want to avenge my parents if something like that happened to them. I meant 
let's just let's be human here. I mean, yes, but also you have to let the law do. But the law ain't working. It's been ten years. This guy been sitting on death row. That's true. So that's ten but... years of him suffering every night, going to bed like. Live reliving the moment over and over because justice has not been served. I mean, it, it takes a toll on you. Not to ruffle any feathers here, but you mentioned that Rudolph may have been mentally retarded. Like maybe that played into his role of, you know, of what actually happened, you know. I mean, yeah, they said he was mentally retarded, but I mean, so mentally retarded people can go shoot up two old people and get away with it? No, but uh, I'm just saying that, you know, that could be that could have played a factor into his his morals of whether or not he knew what was right and wrong. I'm you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. No, that's what you're saying. Like, how much did his intellectual disability play a part into that crime? Was it was he was it not a big factor? Was he, you know, was he functional? If if, if he was more than if he was if he wasn't functional, then it would. How about you, listeners? By all accounts, Rudolph Tyner, the guy that murdered the two Merle's Inlet, husband and wife, the older couple that ran the the little stop and shop, he goes in, robs them, and then leaves and goes back in and kills both of them. By all accounts, he's mentally retarded. What do you guys think? What do you think should have happened? You think he should have been put to death? You think he should have stayed in prison? You think he should have been... I don't know. What, whatever you think. Go to the blog post. Tell me what you think because that is a subject that I am not willing to go down right now because that could take forever. But I do want to know what you guys think. Here at this table, I am I guess I'm more pro-death penalty, I would say. You're definitely not death penalty. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-life on you're all pro accounts. You're pro-life. And then you're like in the middle. Half, yeah. half in the middle. Half in the middle. Yeah. I believe an eye for an eye, man. Hammurabi's law. Do you guys know what that is? Yes. Hit me up on the... Uh, do you really? Yes. Oh, nice. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> all right. So with it's all those the, tapes... It's actually the code, not the law. Whatever. All those... <laughs> how, well, how many, how many were there? Nine. Ten. No. I asked him about these tapes. I was like, all right, he pretty much sentenced himself, sentenced himself to death with making these tapes... Because that was used against them, and this is what uh, Jack Swirling said. Yeah, they those tapes were made by him in conversations he was having with diff, different people, um, and there was a lot of speculation about why he would record those conversations. You know, I think some people speculated that he was going to use those tapes against those individuals later, maybe to blackmail them, but nobody really ever found out why he was recording those conversations, but... They were very incriminating, obviously. Uh, they talked about, as you said, trying to get poison in there, and the poison was not uh, killing Tyner. Um, and then they asked for uh, nitroglycerin, uh, or as he called it, dynamite. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so all of that was on tape, and the, the tapes were not discovered until a little bit sometime after the actual uh, killing. One, a guy named Al Waters, who was the uh, Department of Corrections investigator, just went through some of the property of the different people on death row and found in Pee Wee's property uh, the, the tapes. Uh, if I remember right, there were about 40 tapes. Some of them were music. Some of them were, you know, different uh, 
you know, religious things, uh, church services, but but there were a number of tapes that talked about uh, there were conversations with some of the people on the outside about uh, this conspiracy to kill Tyner and how they were going to do it. So after the cell blows up and the brains and everything go all over the ceiling, Pee Wee actually denies that he actually planted the bomb. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I mean, he did, well, he basically denied it. I mean, uh, you know, he, I don't think he ever admitted any part of that, except, you know, the, the only admissions you ever had were what was on the tapes. But he never uh, admitted it to any law enforcement officer that he was involved in Tyner's killing. Because he didn't bring the dynamite in himself. It got in right. some, somehow else. Right, somebody had to smuggle it in. Right. Yeah, and he pl- he claimed that someone else made the device. Now, other people, there were other inmates involved that actually got in trouble for this. And like I said, even the stepson got prison for this. But no one was put on death row for this except for Pee Wee. And that's what I was trying to explain earlier. The state of South Carolina, they had to kill Pee Wee. They right. had to do every fucking thing they could to kill Pee Wee, and this was their out to do it. Yeah, it's interesting when you think about the fact that, you know, because South Carolina found the death can- death penalty unconstitutional for a time and Pee Wee's prior crimes were wiped out, it's kind of, what did you, didn't you say that it's a little bit unconstitutional to try him based on the fact that he had previous murders for this one crime? No, I think it's not the fact that he, he had was tried for previous murders. I think it's... Showing that he His has character. a pattern yeah. of behavior that is incredibly dangerous beyond just this one case. It's okay, like showing so, like, character. he's convicted was, of murder of this crime. Yeah, right. It's like part one. And right. then part two is should should he ha- get the death penalty? Right. That's my question is that, like, but but if those were wiped off the table, if you were trying him for this his, one crime, if you're trying his him for other this, crimes aren't wiped off. Yeah. The they're table, not wiped off. No, no, I'm saying, but why wouldn't they be? Because they're not, he's not being tried for those crimes. He's being tried for this one murder, well, which yeah. he was convicted of. Right. So can, he's convicted. Now it's sentencing. Well, it's what, like a separate tri- sentencing oh, okay. is a separate trial. All right. This is so why they, my, this is why my sister is going to be the lawyer. So they not establish me. a pattern of behavior to say, okay, he was just convicted of this crime which he's up for the death penalty for. But wait, jury, he hasn't just been convicted of murder in this crime. He's been convicted of 12 other murders. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Sorry. Yeah. It's to show the character of Pee Wee Gaskins. This wasn't a one-time thing. You know, he wasn't influenced by a little commissary money or pressured by getting threatened in prison. Like, this was Pee Wee. But then again, if you think about it, the jury knew I mean, everyone in the jury, everyone in South Carolina knows this case. I mean, you can't find any yeah. any little bum fuck town in South Carolina, even the one I grew up in on Gilbert, and even before that, I grew up in on Saluda County, Hollywood School, where your friend went to school. Mm-hmm. That's an old bum fuck place out there, bum fuck Egypt. You want to talk about smelling cow shit? And I love smelling cow shit. You <laughs> yeah, can't, you said that the other night. I love- I- <laughs> I thought when you said that on the podcast before, you were just joking. It's but so when you good. said it no, the other night, he genuinely I was, likes the smell of cow manure. So good! It's the farm life. Oh my god, being on the farm, smelling the cow shit and the chicken shit and the hog shit. It's just it takes you there, Jen. It takes you on another level. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That farm life is not for me. 
Well, farm life is for me. I could live on a farm if they were all dogs. Y'all can't. You cannot damn live on a farm. I'm saying you I ain't could, never grown up on a farm. Yeah, you, you said you wouldn't even go camping. You ain't never known what First it's like all, to be on a the farm. The farm has to back up to a beach. Back up Second to a beach? All, ain't no farm gonna be backed that's up not to how a beach. Farms work. Second of all, I'm just saying if I could live on a farm, and then second of all, I You don't know what a farm is. You think playing farm life on your iPhone is being a farmer. I've never played that. Yeah, First either. Of all, or farm either. bill. <laughs> Whatever. No. And second of all, I would I would do like a Dog sanctuary. You would do it for like a half a month, and then no. you'd be like, "I can't if deal it with this shit." I need to sit. I would love it. I would do that. I would do a dog sanctuary. Also, hey tacos, they won't want to go camping because I really want to go camping, and no one wants to go camping because you go camping and immediately fall asleep, and it's like the whole purpose. I mean, you could sleep in your room. Sorry, Jim. We're gonna do a little test run during this. No, we're not. Tour. I'm not going camping. I've been no, literally camping on the RV. That's for half like, my life. We're, like glamping. we're glamping. We're not glamping. I'm driving, and then I'm sleeping, and y'all are not gonna bother me while I'm sleeping, and then I'm gonna one drive of us will some be more. Driving. No, you will not be driving. I will be driving. You think? I... All right. If the last part of that sentence was, "You think I'm gonna let a woman drive the RV?" You better just apologize right now. So I asked Jack Swirling how many people he thinks Pee-wee actually mm. killed. So Pee-wee's daughter, Half Pint, what he called her, <laughs> Shirley Gaskins, claims that Pee-wee's killed 105 people. And she knows best. A lot of the newspapers will say, oh, the, this sheriff of this town, Florence County Sheriff and law enforcement, they, they just think it's the book was bullshit. It was released posthumously, so you can't verify with him. You can't question him about it. Well, did he He went into so much detail, though. So did he go yeah. into that much detail well, for a hundred? The, the thing is, all right, all right, well, there's no evidence. There's no bodies. Well, number one, they're buried all they're over the, the coast. And then law enforcement, they always say, oh, there's no missing persons reports. Not in South Carolina. I hadn't talked about one coastal kill from someone from South Carolina. They've all been from different places. True. Right. And they're all people who said that they were going to go hitchhiking. So, yeah. Like, and they it's could not have disappeared like, anywhere. And it's not like he has the damn names of these people. Right. They're hitchhikers. And in his book, The Autobiography, he said he was really scared about these coastal kills because he's at the time he's balancing on death sentence or life in prison. He's real scared about that and the evidence buried. But then he actually says when Hurricane Hugo hit and bodies washed up anywhere, he was pretty happy because all the bodies are washed up anyway. He can't prove anything. Hmm. But I definitely believe it. Number one, his daughter claims it. He claims it. And he goes into too much damn detail to be making this shit up. Mm. Okay? Yeah. And I, I honestly think the law enforcement officials... They don't want to admit it. Number one, they didn't want to admit that he was responsible for this CCI blowing up. Because what does that do? That makes it look like they're inefficient and they're letting bombs come into the damn place. You know what I'm saying? Right. They wanted to kill this guy. I'm telling you, they wanted to put this guy away. I meant like permanently, like dead. And they discredited all his killings because this came out after the fact, you know. But just to let you guys know, there's 105 killings that he is credited for. Now, all the coastal kills I talked about can't be proven. 
because there's no quote unquote bodies. But then again, there's there's no quote missing persons report. But then again, yeah, from South mm-hmm. Carolina. But what about from Michigan? And what about from New York, New Jersey? Like, what about all these other places? Did you go check there? I seriously doubt the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division sled and the local police offices did the due diligence of checking missing persons report from every other state. Right, because it's uh, yeah. how, how can they possibly match that? They can't. And plus, exactly. it's not like Pee Wee Gaskin is like, hey, what's your name? Let me write oh. that down, the exact spellings. I like, know what I was going to say. Um, I, I don't think Pee Wee is the type of person... I don't think he's smart enough to be a sociopath to make that sort of thing up. Yeah, um, I I Just can see that. Just for fame and glory. I think he wanted the final truth, the book, I think is completely accurate. And I think he was a religious man because he's from the South and Southern Baptist here up in the South. And he thought the only way he's going to have a damn chance with Peter, Paul, and St. Joseph up mm-hmm. at the Pearly Gates— and they gonna say hell no, or whoever's up there, Moses, go. Noah, and the shark. Okay. Well. Noah and the well. Job. Joe and the well. Job. Job like getting Job sucked in the well, and Peter building that big ass boat. When he gets up there, no. <laughs> he wanted to have some sort of chance to get into heaven, getting in pearly gates. Up you in the forgot clouds. the pyramids. I do want to say, all right, I ain't going into the pyramids being built like. By the people from Moses' time. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, girlfriend, you need to do your research. You need to see them stones are too clear cut. Megan agreed with you. Megan agree with me? Yeah, yeah. Megan Seals. Oh, sweet. Yeah, she was like, totally agree. She wanted to let you bar- let Thank you, borrow Megan. ancient aliens. I said, Thank oh, you, don't Megan. worry, we watch it every single day. Thank you, Megan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my back. All right, Nicole, can you read this? Them lawmen and prosecutors and judges and lawyers was so fucking proud of themselves because they were sure they finally knowed everything I had ever done. And they had put me away for all my crimes and all they had was four, a measly 14 murders. They didn't know nothing about them three bodies buried with Janice at the tenant house or the six buried in the neck at the se- and the seven others in Sunken Prospect Swamp on my second favorite trail. And of course, that don't include no coastal kills. <laughs> The onlyest killings I, they had ever found out was the ones Muir Walter told them. I'll say it again. Them lawmen never solved pig shit. And they still had got a whole bunch of missing persons cases that they never even connected to me. Yeah, so there is a battle between the lawmen and Pee Wee Gaskins. Who is telling the truth? So I asked Jack Swirling, what do you believe? Now, I know this wasn't really his position at the time to make any assumptions. I mean, he was just trying to get the his client, Pee Wee Gaskins, the best possible outcome. And I honestly, Jack Swirling is a fantastic lawyer. And if you're from South Carolina, you know the name. He is a force to be reckoned with. So this is what he said. Well, I mean, I believe that, uh, you know, first of all, the ones that he was convicted of prior to Tyner, you know, I mean, it, it was he admitted them basically uh, in the subsequent interview that he had with the solicitor. Uh, there was a 212-page transcript of uh, them going through each one of those murders. And, you know, Pee Wee, this was after he was out from under the death penalty, uh, and he basically admitted all of them. You know, my feeling has always been, and I think uh, Dick Harputlian, who 
was the prosecutor and later my partner, you know, we felt like uh, that the, the numbers that were in those books were exaggerated. There was never, to us, any indication that there was any more than they had uh, convicted him of and brought him to trial on. But, you know, you never know. There might have been, there might have been a few more, but I, I think that the numbers there were grossly inflated. Interesting to hear his perspective on that. Yeah. The only way you can prove it, guys, is, well, now they said that Hurricane Hugo hit and all the bodies washed up. But also, wouldn't they have just become, what do they call it? Like Jane Doe's? No. Bug poop. Bug poop, yeah. Critter poop. (laughs) Critter shit. Critter shit. Critter shit, in Pee Wee's words. All right. So for the last question I asked him, is very important, very important question, the most important. If you're from South Carolina, you'll really appreciate this. Shout out again to Whitney Day up in there in Florence, South Carolina. Girl, you you know you right from where she was, where old Pee Wee was. Whitney up there in Florence. You right where old Pee Wee was. I wouldn't doubt it. You all ain't related in some way. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm from right down in parts as well. But anyway, Jack Swirling has a lot of degrees. I could sit here for an hour and a half and talk about all the awards and degrees this lawyer has. I mean, he's the top of the top, top of his number one, top of his class, everything else. But he's actually got a degree from both Clemson and Carolina, USC. Hmm. The two rivals. So I said, Jack, listen, you got to pick one, man. Who is it? Is it Clemson? Go Tigers. Or is it Carolina? Well, I'm a Clemson. I'm a Clemson man. Okay, all, I'm all Clemson all the way. But uh, I don't. The only time I ever root against South Carolina is if they're playing Clemson. So uh, I don't. I don't generally root for uh, against South Carolina. In fact, I've had the, the privilege of being. If Carolina won the national championship in baseball, I told people I went to Carolina. Uh, you know, if uh, if the women's basketball won the national championship, you know, I was I was proud of Carolina. So, uh, but it's it's when uh, you know I, I don't wish Carolina any ill will. I just uh, just against Clemson. Such a South Carolina question to ask. Yeah, yeah. I still don't know. Someone asked me the other day where I stood since I've been here for about two years now, and I have no idea how to answer that. I'm like, go Pats. <laughs> It's a big That's thing. My answer. We don't do co- we don't do pro football here, Jen. Yeah, I noticed. We do that. college football. I know it's a we huge thing. We have some of the best damn teams and, in the nation. Yeah, and you know, I kind of am leaning towards Clemson. You got Clemson. You got. I mean, even USC used to be a wrecking ball, but you got Alabama. You got Georgia. I mean, all the good teams for mm-hmm. college football are down here in the south. Right. But we eat a lot of corn down here. A lot of cornbread. Corn fed, eat a lot of, drink a lot of cow milk straight out the cow's titty. I like cornbread, but I don't like the savory cornbread. I like sweet cornbread. We get a lot of like hormones like down here, Jen. That's why we're all big. Well, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm leaning towards Clemson. I, I don't know why. Well, because my parents are from Clemson, so and you go visit them. So if you wear a Carolina shirt, then you're going to be also ostracized. the name Gamecocks is kind of like actually it, that's. Part of the reason why I love South Carolina is because the name is so great. So I no, have to be torn. Girls wear, girls wear these short, skimpy shirts and they ha- or skirts. And, or the shorts that say Gamecocks or Cox. No, they say Cox right on their butthole. And it says like, oh, you want Cox. I think it's funny. So my... I, I'm torn. I will have to be torn because your family is Clemson, but my family has a history of USC. 
and two of my cousins graduated from there. So I'm a little bit torn, but my grandmother, uh, bless her heart, Blanche, Blanche, she wore, had this sweatshirt that she would wear and she wore it because she would get the funniest looks that said Cox on the sweatshirt <laughs> with like, you know, University of South Carolina and very small print beneath it. And she would wear it to, we would go to the mall, you know, at South Shore Plaza and Braintree and yes. she'd wear it, walk it around. Oh, and gotta she love thought it was South the funniest Plaza. thing that people would give her those looks. You so. know, the, the Braintree Mall is one of my favorite malls in Massachusetts. It's a good one. It is. It is. It's great. They have a, um, not only do they have mall favorites such as Sapporo um, um, excuse me, Sparrow or the Taste of Japan and Auntie Anne's, but they also have a popcorn stand, which not all malls have, and you can get popcorn there, and if you guys know me, you know that my favorite snack in the entire world is popcorn, and I can't remember the last time I had some movie theater popcorn, which makes me sad, but I do love the Braintree Mall. Also, they have great stores. They have a Newberry Comics there. They don't have Newberry Comics down here. Newberry Comics is closed, Jen. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's closed a long time ago. I went like six months ago. Pee Wee Gaskins was executed on September 6th, 1991 at 1.10 a.m. I'm not saying that I was there, but I was there. It was a big party. Everyone showed up. Everyone was drinking, getting all fucked up, drinking that moonshine. And we we sit there and and, uh, watched the the lights flicker in the prison as old Pee Wee Gaskins said his last words, and he got sat down in old Sparky. What were his last words? Do we have record of that? The state of South Carolina executed Donald Pee Wee Gaskins at 1.04 a.m. Friday, September 6th, 1991. He entered the execution chamber unassisted and sat down in the electric chair without hesitation. Just before the hood was placed over his head, he smiled at the attorney, who was his designated witness, gave her a thumbs up, Sign and said, I'm ready to get to go. I'm ready to go. His execution was carried out almost exactly as described in the introduction of the final truth, which I have for you, Tacos Primos and Small Tacos, on the on the website there on the forum. His body was cremated. Most of his ashes were scattered by his daughter, Shirley. She actually went out to his old hunting grounds, up there in old Florence and spread them out all in the woods. So, guys, uh, definitely download that book. If you got a strong stomach, you need to read it. As far as true crime goes, it's really good. It's a really good book. I mean, obviously, it's very gruesome. It was banned. But I have it for you guys there, and you guys are more than welcome to it. So be sure to check that out. Also, go to the post, the Pee Wee Gaskins post. Leave me a comment. Even if it's about how you mistakenly think that humans built the damn pyramids, that ain't the truth. But still leave it anyway. Hmm. That's all I have. Wow. For Pee Wee, Pee Wee, playing with my Pee Pee. Wow. Pee Wee Gaskins. I'll never be the same again. I do. He, I, I, I'm kind of torn. I, I think he might be more gruesome than the Vampire Sacramento. Yeah. Vampire Sacramento was also split personality and. <sighs> What all kinds of mental issues? True. I mean, he was literally hallucinating, drinking rabbits' blood and all kinds of shit. Yeah, blending up rabbits in the blender, adding coke to it. I, yeah, and as Sarah said earlier, she's on episode twenty-five now. I want to throw a challenge out. If you really love this podcast, if you really love this podcast, go back 
and the challenge is to listen to every episode. Woof. Oh, God bless those who go from episode one. Yes. Although I did get a message from one of our Taco Supremo, Shelly, who said that, you know, she's been listening. She she got a new job recently and she was like, I've been binging the, the podcast lately and it feels so good to hear some familiar voices in my new environment. And she is Aww. so proud of how far that we've come since Aww. the first episode. So those were very kind words. Very much appreciated. So thank you, Shelly. Thanks, Shelly. Um, yeah, but yeah, those you. first few episodes in our eyes obviously weren't that were, were a lot of fun. But looking back on it, though, they were rough. Rough to listen to. Yeah, pretty rough. And uh, yeah. I have those. I had the first 13 episodes for You Talk Supremos and Small Talkos on the forum. They're kind of, they're private just for you guys. Um, so it's a perk of joining, supporting our podcast. And as we continue to put more episodes out, we have to take more off. It's just kind of how iTunes likes it. Uh, we can't put too much out there. It's just kind of the thing. But uh, anyway, so we're going to be taking them off. So be sure to go to talkmore.com and join, giving us a one-time donation of either Taco's Primo membership or Small Taco and get all the access, get bonus content. Yeah, but that's all I have. Pee Wee Gaskins, so fucking glad to be done with this one. If you really enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button or whatever podcasting app you use. If you really like this episode, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go to talkmurder.com slash join. Become a Talk Us Primo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love, shout out all over the place. Tell me what story you may do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. Until next time, killers don't get caught if bodies don't get found.